Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. So what are you saving up for, Hawaii? South of France? It's not like that. The miles are the goal. That's it? You're saving just to save? Let's just say that I have a number in mind and I haven't hit it yet. It's a little abstract. What's the target? I'd rather not. Conversations about collaboration, episode 68. Lizzie Lawrence of Protocol joins me. She covers tools and productivity in the workplace. We talk about Slack, Canva, Generation Z, organizational change, and other cool stuff. Let's get it on. Lizzie Lawrence, live from D.C. How the hell are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Phil. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you about some of the work you're doing at Protocol because it really informed a lot of my thinking and research in a couple of my books. Um, But I'd love to talk a little bit just to start about one piece that you wrote that I started laughing when I read about the guy who was pretty much going to accept an offer at a company, but then just said, you know what? I'm a Slack guy. I'm not a Microsoft Teams guy. I just can't do this. Um, that was brilliant. Can For people who haven't read the article, can you maybe share a little bit about that story? Because th- to me, that was priceless. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that story um, sort of stemmed from a little bit of conversations with friends that I had about the different IT tools they were using in the workplace. And also on Twitter, I just, it came up multiple times that there was this people felt very strongly about whether they were a Teams person or a Slack person. I did find more Slack people than Teams people, but it got, I, and then I actually found this, this guy, Alex Ross on Twitter. he said, someone had said, Oh God, I can't stand Microsoft Teams. It makes work so much more unbearable for me. And he said, I, yeah, like, I literally projected a job when I found out that they use Teams and just, I think it, it fit in also with this, Dynamic. I mean, I wrote this story in in February, but it's still. I mean, it's still sort of true. The you know the kind of the great resignation hype and um, you know job seekers, at least in the tech industry and tech realm, having more leverage um, when it when it comes to finding jobs. So you know, in in that context, the idea of rejecting a job based on tools isn't unheard of, um, and you know, it is it is something that the tools that you use at work with the pandemic and with digital work have become even more important to, to a lot of people. So it was a really interesting story to write. Um, can't say personally, if that's something I would, I would do if I was evaluating my jobs, job options, but, um, but tools matter. And it, you know, it's just, this is one of the ways that the importance of tools manifests itself. Yeah, I would agree that the tools matter and increasingly the location matters. Um, I know that the Virginia governor, forget his name, I just blogged about him, but more or less banned remote work and 300 state employees said, all right, we're out. And if you think about it, pre-pandemic, you you would just accept that you went to work and you dealt with a long commute and you accept that you used whatever tools your company said. And I think you hit the nail on the head, the pendulum swinging back to the employees uh, mean means that maybe not so much, or they'll tolerate it short term. I know when Elon Musk uh, announced that you know at Tesla 
people had to be in the office. I saw on one of the LinkedIn project management groups in which I'm a member, something like 80% of the people said, yeah, they'd go back on Monday, but they'd start looking Monday afternoon. Exactly. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, especially, yeah, with information workers and remote work, it's very much all of the recruiters I've talked to and just, you know, I guess personal or anecdotal experience um, offering remote work is, is table stakes in a lot of cases for a lot of, it's just become so convenient for people. You've also written a series that I really enjoy. Basically, um, I don't know the exact name of it, but whether it's Canva using Canva or Slack using Slack, companies that you detail in the way that they, um, I know the Silicon Valley expression is eat their own dog food, which I think is Mm -hmm. kind of cliche at this point. But um, it's fascinating to me because I know you're also really interested in the presentation of information, which if you think about it, PowerPoint dropped in 1995, I think. And yeah, it's gotten better, but there are, as you know, different ways of presenting. Um, talk a little bit about that series and specifically Canva, because I think the quote that I remember reading in that article was the woman you interviewed, I do 80% of my job in Canva. And that blew my mind. I love that series too. It's the unofficial name is how X uses X, which is kind of a boring name. We need to probably need to workshop that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just the it's so interesting to get a peek inside these companies because I mean, as you're, as you said, they dog food all the time and they know the product more than anyone. Um, and Canva, I mean, there, I could do it with so many companies. I find it hard to honestly to choose because there's just so many, so many really interesting tools out there. But, um, with Canva, I, uh, I, it's such a, they're, their big focus is on visual presentations. And obviously that's, that's their pitch. That's what they're selling to the world. And increasingly the enterprise is what you need for your employees is um, more, more visual communication. That's an essential skill. And that's, you know, what's going to be the the trick or the key to getting everyone in the same, on the same page, um, especially with a d- dispersed workforce. So um I mean, obviously that's their sales pitch. So that's what they were going to, you know, tell me too, but it was, it was cool to see the, you know, the specific ways that it manifests itself inside Canva. And I, I particularly liked, they um, walked me through the onboarding process that it, it was an essential part for every employee to go through this kind of this Canva boot camp, And then at the end of the boot camp, make a presentation related, you know, just an, an intro, introductory um, presentation. So um, I think just, you know, they're, the way that they um, integrated their tool and, you know, just made everyone familiar at at the start with, with how it works, um, cl- clearly really important because they use it all the time for basically, you know, for sending out newsletters, setting up employee, you know, community groups, um, you know, yeah, presentations and, and me- meetings in Canva. That's which is, you know, obviously so much of a work day. So, yeah, it's a good series. I like how the companies you profile are putting the tools front and center, whether it's that story you did about the guy who said, yeah, I can't use Teams or Canva or Slack when you do X, how X uses X. So I feel like many times the companies don't um, emphasize the importance of the tool. So when someone gets in, they go, yeah, I really don't want to use that or I'm not compelled to use it, then they don't. 
And what happens? You have four different groups or four different people using four different tools. And this actually happened to me, oh gosh, no, maybe 10 months ago, I was at a conference in Phoenix, an actual physical conference, knock on wood. And I sat down with the CEO of a company and three people. It was a small staffing company, I think in North Carolina, but I asked them if they had problems finding stuff. They said, oh, completely. Between email and WhatsApp and Google Docs and um, the, uh, Microsoft Teams, said sometimes it took us a long time to find a simple document. And I feel like if more companies stress the importance of that, it, look, if you know that you're hiring someone who hates Teams, I'd rather know ahead of time versus, oh, I just won't say anything. And once I get the job, I'm going to hem and haw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. That that has been a big theme and focus across my coverage is just um, how subjective and personal the, the tools that you like are and how chaotic it can get um, when, you know, yeah, like what, what you said, when, when candidates are not honest. And I mean, sometimes it's also hard because you don't know you hate a tool until you use it. And then you realize, oh, this is the worst thing ever. And it's making my job a million times harder. Um, but then you, you have this, I guess, the shadow IT or the proliferation of different tools and different things people are using, which when it comes to personal productivity is totally fine. I mean, yeah, I use, I use Todoist and that doesn't, that's separate from, you know, everyone else on my team. It doesn't really, doesn't really matter if they use, you know, a different task app, but, um, you do, there does have to be this compromise on, you know, on the communication the, you know, the larger organization of tasks across the company and not everyone is going to be happy. So it is, it's interesting to see, you know, just how, how individual companies decide to what is, what's going to be their tool stack. What are they, you know, a lot of the times it's probably just a matter of cost, like what's most cost efficient for us. But um, I think, you know, my story about the job deal breakers, it is, it is beneficial to listen to what your employees want, um, you know, especially if it's something they're really, they've been griping with for a long time. Um, and it's not that hard to transfer over. So it might be something worth considering. I agree. And it's crazy to me how I think the line from one of those articles was, was it your personal definition of workplace hell is that everyone has their own tech stack, but that, that exists. And it's remarkable to me. And, and I'm with you. You know, you want to use a piece of paper to track what you need to do. Hey, go with God. That's what you need to do. But you wouldn't track a project that way or use Google Sheets to manage a large project. That just, it wasn't built for that. And I understand why people are frustrated uh, because many times in in my experience, the companies just don't invest in the training. They assume that someone's going to pick it up or they look at the cost of it. This actually happened to me um, over the last couple of years. Long story short, I quoted a bunch of um, a healthcare organization, a number for some Zoom training. And eventually the guy just said, yeah, you know what? We'll just buy some copies of Zoom for dummies. And I'm thinking to myself, I've told this story before. Yeah, during a pandemic, nurses working a 12-hour shift are going to come home, take their shoes off, lay back, open a glass of uh, red and read Zoom for dummies. Yeah, that, that's going to happen. Um, but it's. I don't think many people draw the distinction that you just did, which is sort of productivity individual, that is, versus collaboration and communication, which by definition involve more than one person. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think it is a really important distinction. And, you know, what you said about training is really important. Um, I think that's, that is something, um, 
I think in for that story too, I did, I talked to someone who was at a health tech startup, but who had used to be at a, at a big hospital system. And she had used teams there and, you know, they, they were, you know, Microsoft shop and she used Slack and all kinds of other, uh, you know, newer tools in her, in the, in the startup role. But I mean, she, she was unhappy with the tools she was using at the hospital, but she also acknowledged this is a, uh, you know, a giant institution. We have people's lives, not to say that, you know, one type of work is more important than the other, but they just didn't have the brain space a lot of the times to think about their IT or their, their tools, you know, the, I guess the productivity tools they were using. She felt like she had way more time to reflect on that and in this startup role. So it is, it is very dependent on the industry, the company culture, the type of work you're doing, you know, acknowledge that sometimes this is just not top of mind for different leaders and, and employees. Yeah, I know that you're also interested in some of these cult communities around productivity. The previous guest of my pod, Tiago Forte, was talking about his book and course, Building a Second Brain. And I read it and it made a lot of sense to me, but he's the first person to admit that there are these different pockets of people who swear by Inbox Zero or David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. And it's a huge uh, world out there. But talk to me a little bit about how you got into that and what are some of the things that people could learn from it? Because I am the kind of person who always says, oh, here's a trick I can learn to be more productive. And that, to me, the definition of old is, no, here's the way I do things. I don't want to learn anything else. Um, I guess some of that comes with age, but I just I, I like being intellectually curious. And if there's something that could save me five minutes a day, well, that's you know almost a half an hour a week. That's almost you know twenty five hours a year. Uh, I would not mind having that time to do whatever. Yeah, I um, I love talking to product productivity nerds. Some of the people I talk to would describe themselves because I think you're right that that learning piece is really apparent, um, and you know is also the reason I love I love journalism. And this beat is is really great for me because even as someone who was, I do not pretend to have been a productivity expert before I started this job, but I just get to talk to people who have are experts every day. And, um, you know, no one says the same thing. I think Tiago Forte, absolutely right. Everyone has different opinions. Um, but I, I think the most striking thing when I, I talk to people who, um, you know, are really following these different thought leaders or these different tools is they have switched so many times in their lifetime. Like I, I wrote the story about productivity subscriptions because uh, Protocol had kind of a subscription week theme. Um, and the people I talked to, I mean, yeah, all of them were like, this is my stack now. There are some tools I've stuck with for, with for forever and that I don't see myself abandoning. But, you know, I am I have changed so many times over the past however many years. And um, you know, always, always trying to optimize and find, you know, something else that, um, you know, fi find another tool that, that can help me do things better and more efficiently, um, which is, is a great mindset to have, but they also acknowledge that it, it is tiring, especially for like a note-taking app when you're moving all of your information into different apps all the time, it gets, you know, just kind of frustrating. So, um, yeah, I guess there's there's definitely pros and cons to that that kind of mindset. Yeah, 
it's not as easy and that's probably by design this whole notion of vendor lock-in to move to move from one tool to another sometimes it's been seamless but i remember for a while i was frustrated with todoist um, it was breaking a lot the notifications weren't working and because i subscribed to microsoft 365 or at least that's what they're calling it today last time i checked uh, they had their notes app and i thought let's just give it a shot and i set it all up and realized that it didn't have key features and after about a month i said this is ridiculous um it makes sense for me to have a best of breed productivity app because i am a power user just being able to track a couple of things on a task doesn't make a lot of sense to me i need the advanced features that maybe Microsoft eventually integrates, but clearly they're focused on a million different things and the productivity app is just one of them. Um, but you mentioned some differences among folks and as a member of Gen Z, I'm really curious about how the kids, and I say that affectionately, look at some of these tools because in my experience being a former college professor with students who are not that much um, younger than you, um, they were they were pretty tech savvy. And they didn't have those um, biases, for lack of a better term. So they weren't stuck with using Outlook because they've been using it for 20 years. Um, talk a little bit about how younger folks approach all this tech because it's it's a C. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's different for people who, you know, folks in different industries and, um, you know, it can be hard, especially as a young worker, just starting out to start, you know, demanding tool experimentation or, um, you know, trying to, yeah, fight for, I guess, diff using different, different kinds of technology if they're unhappy with the, the ones they're currently, their company currently uses. But uh, definitely in the, the tech space, there's a really a lot of room for experimentation. Um, and I mean, I found for myself and, you know, just my friends, there's, um, you know, a big, a lot of, a lot of appreciation when they, you know, when they have a voice in the processes that their company is using and when, you know, we're able to feel empowered to say, Hey, this isn't actually as efficient as I would like, or, Hey, I've been using this, this tool I found online. And again, it's, it is maybe kind of niche. Like there, I'm sure there are a ton of people my age who aren't, you know, spending as much time researching different workplace tools, but, um, you know, I think being, having that voice and being, um, encouraged to, uh, you know, bring that, bring your preferences to the table and, um, you know, maybe encourage older employees who are used to doing something a certain way to try something new. That's always important. Yeah. The, the niche tools can be incredibly effective. I know you're a big fan, like I am of Calendly and it, I, I guess it was maybe six months ago, some Facebook VP, you probably saw this. I don't know if it went viral or not, but basically called sending someone a Calendly link. Was it the most uh, naked and aggressive form of capitalism ever, which you know, social media does not lend itself to nuance. Um, I understand where that comes from. I'm important. You're not. But to me, the alternative is, all right, let's ping each other back and forth 15 times on email or Slack to find the time that works for us, which to me is insane. So I used to get in trouble when I sent someone a Calendly link because it almost presupposed that I was important and they're not. 
and I made one tweak. It was, hey, emailing back and forth sucks. Here's a scheduling link. However, if you've got one, I'm happy to use yours. And when I added that second part, I got a lot fewer, who the hell are you responses and more, oh, all right. Um, and sometimes I'll use their Calendly tool or some of the other kind of knockoffs. But um, uh, those niche tools, I would argue, can be really valuable if only people would open their minds. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, the Calendly debate seems to just pop up every few months or so. And it's really it's really interesting. Um, I, I think I, I personally just did not realize how deeply, how, you know, how deeply people felt about it and about, about that power dynamic. Um, but I, I think you're right. I mean, it seems that the, the efficiency of it and, and framing it in that way that, you know, over, you know, overtly saying, Hey, this is, meant for both of us. Um, happy to use yours. That's, that's a really good, good way to get around it. Um, though I am hoping people aren't as sensitive about that, but I, I mean, it is, I guess power, power dynamics are that, and that kind of thing are baked into every tool, um, and, you know, access and, but that's, you know, at a certain point, it's not the tool's fault. It's the, the culture that, you know, workspace has or the culture just, and hierarchy of that. So um, definitely a push and pull with, yeah, culture and how the tool adapts and or or controls the culture as well. Yeah, we love to blame tools because they can't blame us back, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm completely with you. I mean, I've seen people go, well, why are we using Zoom? We we use WebEx in this department or why are we using Slack? We use Microsoft Teams. And there are tools, I don't know if you ever heard of one called Mio, that basically lets you link Slack and Teams or uh, Zoom or whatever. And I understand why tools like that exist. I think it can make sense, but there's part of me that dies a little bit inside because it was basically two departments or two people, one would not switch. And they built this bridge because they wouldn't just learn the other tool. And, and look, I prefer Slack over Microsoft Teams. I don't even think it's that close. But if you twist my arm and said, you have to use Teams, Phil, um, or email, I'll say, give me teams any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Right, right. Yeah, there does there does have to be this this negotiation. Um, and yeah, I don't yeah, just, I'm I'm the same way. I think I, I'm very adaptable to to things and um, you know, I know I know my preferences, but at the end of the day, if there is some, if someone wants something that then I, you know, realize is better or, um, you know, just is the best, the best answer for the majority of the team, you know, yeah. I'm willing. Good stuff, Lizzie. I'll get you out of here on this. What book are you currently reading? I'm reading Candy House by Jennifer Egan. If, uh, if you read, it's a sequel to her book, A Visit from the Goon Squad. It's incredible. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I'm a big, a big fiction person, so. I can understand. You probably don't want to deal with tech all day since that's your, your day job. Yeah, it, it does have some tech narratives, um, but yeah, but I definitely like to escape through a novel from time to time. Good stuff, Lizzie. Thanks so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However... If you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, 
patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.